chapter eight of a woman's experiences in the great war by louise mack this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter eight you'll never get there as the weeks went on a strange thing happened to me at first vaguely faintly and then with an ever-deepening intensity there sprang to life within me a sense of irritation at having to depend on newspapers or hearsay for one's knowledge of the chief item in this war the enemy an overwhelming desire seized upon me to discover for myself what a certain darksome unknown quantity was like that darksome unknown quantity that we were always hearing about but never saw that we were always moving away from if we heard it was anywhere near that was making all the difference to everything that was at the back of everything that mattered so tremendously and yet could never be visualized the habit of a lifetime of groping for realities began to assert itself and i found myself chafing at not being able to find things out for myself in the descriptions i gleaned from men and newspapers i was gradually discovering many puzzling incongruities there are thinkers whose conclusions one honours and attends to but these thinkers were not out here looking at the war with their own eyes maeterlinck for instance whose deductions would have been invaluable was in france tolstoy was dead mr wells was in england writing to believe what people tell you you must first believe in the people if you can find one person to believe in in a lifetime and that one person is yourself you are lucky one day towards the end of september i heard an old professor from liege university talking to a young bruxellois with a black moustache and piercing black eyes who had arrived that day at our hotel so you are going back at once to brussels monsieur said the old professor in a shaky voice yes monsieur why don't you come with me i have not the courage courage but there is nothing to fear you come along with me and i'll see you through all right i assure you the trains run right into brussels now the germans leave us bruxellois alone they're trying to win our favour they never interfere with us there is not the slightest danger and there is not half so much trouble and difficulty to get in and out of brussels as there is to get in and out antwerp you get into a train at ghent go to grammont and there change into a little train that takes you straight to brussels they never ask us for our passports now for myself i have come backwards and forwards from brussels half a dozen times this last fortnight on special missions for our government i have never been stopped once if you'll trust yourself to me i'll see you safely through i desire to go very much muttered the old man there are things in liege that i must attend to but to get to liege i must go through brussels it seems to me there is a great risk a very great risk no risk at all said the young bruxellois cheerfully that evening at dinner the young man aforesaid was introduced to me by mr frank fox of the morning post who knew him well it was not long before i said to him do you think it would be possible for an englishwoman to get into brussels i should like very much to go i want to get an interview with monsieur max from my newspaper he was an extremely optimistic and cheerful young man he said quite easy i know monsieur max very well if you come with me i'll see you safely through and take you to see him as a matter of fact i've got a little party travelling with me on friday and i shall be delighted if you will join us i'll come i said extraordinary how easy it is to make up one's mind about big things that decision which was the most important one i ever made in my life 
gave me less trouble than i have sometimes been caused by such trifles as how to do one's hair or what frock to wear next day i told everyone i was going to try to get into brussels you'll be taken prisoner you're mad you'll be shot you will be taken for a spy you will never get there all these things and hosts of others were said but perhaps the most potent of all the arguments was that put up by the sweet little lady from liege the black-eyed mother with two adorable little boys and a delightful big husband the gallant chevalier in yellow bags of trousers whom i have already referred to in an earlier chapter this little liegeoise and i were now great friends i shall speak of her as alice she had a gaiety and insouciance and a natural childlike merriment that all her terrible disasters could not overcloud what laughs we used to have together she and i what talks what walks and sometimes the big husband would give alice a delightful little dinner at the criterium restaurant in the avenue de kaiser where we ate such delicious things it was impossible to believe oneself in a belgian city with war going on at the gates when i told alice that i was going to brussels she set to work with all her womanly powers of persuasion to make me give up my project there was nothing she did not urge the worst of all was that we might never see each other again but i don't feel like that i told her i feel that i must go it's a funny feeling i can't describe it because it isn't exactly real i don't feel exactly that i must go even when i am telling you that it isn't exactly true i am afraid this is too complicated for me said alice gravely i admit it sounds complicated i suppose what it really means is that i want to go and i am going but my husband says we may be in brussels ourselves in three weeks time why not wait and come in in safety with the belgian army other people gathered round us there in the dimly lit palm court of the big antwerp hotel and a lively discussion went on a big dark man with a melancholy face said wistfully i wish i could make up my mind to go too this was cherry curtain the famous naturalist and photographer he was out at the front looking for pictures and in his mind's eye doubtless he saw the pictures he would get in brussels pictures sneakingly and stealthily taken from windows at the risk of one's life glorious pictures pictures a photographer would naturally see in his mind's eye when he thought of getting into brussels during the german occupation mr curtin's interpreter a little fair-haired man however put in a couple of sharp words that were intended to act as an antidote to the great photographer's uncertain longings you'll be shot for a dead certainty cherry he said you get into brussels with your photographic apparatus why you might as well walk straight out to the germans and ask them to finish you off cherry had his old enemy malaria hanging about him at that time or i quite believe he would have risked it and come but as events turned out it was lucky for him he didn't for his king and his country have called him since then in a voice he could not resist and he has gone to his beloved africa again in colonel driscoll's league of frontiersmen when i met him out there in antwerp he had just returned from his famous journey across central africa his thoughts were all of lions giraffes monkeys rhinoceros he would talk on and on quite carried away he made noises like baboons boars lions monkeys he was great fun i was always listening to him and gradually i would forget the war forget i was in antwerp and be carried right away into the jungle watching a crowd of giraffes coming down to drink 
indeed the vividness of cherry's stories was such that when i think of antwerp now i hear the roar of lions the pad pad of wild beasts the guttural uncouthness of monkeys all the sounds in fact that so excellently represent antwerp's present occupiers but the faces of cherry's wild beasts were kinder humaner faces than the faces that haunt antwerp now End of chapter 8 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine